Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Melanin Margin, the weekly chat show where conversations about race are never off the table. We're your hosts, Quaviandre Williams. And Daquan Wilson. So let's get into this week's conversation. What's hot on the table this week? According to an article written on Yahoo Sports by Megan Wallace, Caitlyn Jenner has attracted controversy after appearing as a guest on the American TV news channel Fox Business Live and sharing her thoughts on Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill last week. The moment in question came after Caitlyn was asked by the news host if the state of Florida, quote, did the right thing by banning the teaching of gender identity to very young children, end quote, by signing the Don't Say Gay Bill into legislation. She responded by saying that she was in support of the move before adding, quote, I'm a parent. I have been in control of my children's destiny and what they learn in school, not some math teacher. I can teach those lessons, end quote. Her answer has been the subject of vocal criticism on Twitter from members of the LGBTQIA community. People on Twitter People on Twitter, particularly those within the LGBTQIA community, haven't been holding back. Posts have described her as a puppet and a disgrace. And one user wrote, quote, PSA, Caitlyn Jenner doesn't speak for the entire LGBTQ community. She speaks for the 0.0001%, end quote. RuPaul's Drag Race alum Shangelo was among those speaking out about Caitlyn's comments, saying, quote, I'm only going to say this. Possibly, if your teachers had been allowed to have educated discussions with you about sensitive issues, perhaps you would have felt empowered to own your own identity before your 60s, or at least allow others the space to own theirs, end quote. So, Andre, I want to <laughs> ask you, what are your thoughts on her saying that parents are in control of their children's destiny? Um, first off, let's just appreciate that Shangela Reed because that was one. That was the library. The was library open. open. <laughs> but um, I, I want to start off by saying that I am so tired of hearing, oh, we shouldn't be teaching kids about gender at such a young age because that's just some cishet bullshit. Um, you teach kids about gender the moment that they're fucking born. I mean, you paint whole fucking rooms blue or pink as soon as you find out the gender of your babies. You tell little Tommy that he can't play with dolls, makeup, or dresses and skirts because that's for girls and he's a boy. Or you tell Lydia that she can't play outside and get dirty like the boys can because she needs to be dainty and act like a little girl. Every time we make steps towards progress, even the smallest ones, Ignorant jackasses come out and push back so fucking hard. Children are not stupid. Children are more aware of the world than people give them credit for. Children, a lot of the times, are more accepting than the adults that have had several years of experience dealing with people that aren't exactly the same as them. Teaching children about gender is simply another way of helping them understand how to respect people in the world and maybe even understand themselves. I've told the story on the podcast before, but it bears repeating. Um, I've known that I was not like the other boys in my class since I was in kindergarten. 
I knew I was different and spent the next two decades fighting with myself, society, and my religious upbringing to fully accept and celebrate myself. And I still struggle with that from time to time. This isn't <laughs> the case for all children. To completely ignore something is sometimes worse than just outright saying you don't like it. If kids aren't able to find the word to describe their feelings about who they are, they can sometimes lash out on others or more likely themselves. The number of children and teens who have committed suicide because they are told that who they are is wrong and ungodly and an abomination is astronomical. And I could have just as easily been part of those statistics. And Ms. Jenner and all the other parents who are watching and listening, you don't control shit. You might think you do, but you don't. Um, no matter how many beatings or prayer retreats or lies you try to scare your children with, they will be who they are. And the more you keep pushing and pressing your child to become the person you want them to be, the more likely you are to lose them completely when they become adults. You see, you'll be the parent that they only see on the holidays if they see you at all. You will lose out on being in your child's life, seeing your grandchildren and so much more. And in that situation, that would be the best outcome because the worst would be that that child wouldn't even make it to adulthood because they've decided that they'd rather die than not meet the expectation you set for their lives. And this isn't just about gender or sexuality. It's about all parents who truly believe they can control their child's destiny. The ones who think they know what's best for their child's future, regardless of what their child says to them. So I think it's time for y'all to pick a future that you want with your child because there are only two options. It's either the child you never see or the child you'll have to bury. So Daquan, I want to pass the question back to you. What are your thoughts? Here's a hot take that shouldn't be a hot take. Parenting is not about controlling children. Parenting <laughs> is about guiding children. Parenting is about supporting children. Parenting is about teaching children moral values and giving them the support that they need to be independent thinkers and grow up to be fully fledged <laughs> human beings. A child is not a robot. It's not yours to create and create their own destiny and whatever. A child's destiny is their destiny, regardless of you as a parent. And I think that that's a problem that a lot of parents have is they have children to either do what they didn't do or do what mm -hmm. they want them to do and all of these different things or be a mini version of themselves. And no, that is a human being. They may not have the capabilities to support themselves because they are a child, but they can think. They can learn how to cognitively discuss certain things. And there are ways of breaking things down that a child can understand almost anything. And I think that a big problem with people who support this bill is they always just come up with some type of narrative that like, oh, this is so inappropriate. Like, yeah. I, I should be able to control what my kids are learning. And it's like, you don't control the math lessons your students learn. You don't control the science experiments your students do. You don't control any of these other academic subjects that you just accept a qualified professional to teach them about. Yet still something as complex as gender and everything like that, you think you're the one who's qualified, not somebody that has literally spent years in school to be able to 
look at what is appropriate for a certain age group, literally breaking down, okay, what is child psychology brain development is like, you know, I've taken child psychology classes, I've taken classes on child development. And so I know certain things about what is appropriate and how a child can learn something like this. And it's like, nobody is trying to teach a kid what sex is. Nobody's trying to teach a kindergarten Obviously, <laughs> gay people having sex. That should be the bare minimum. But people have this outward notion that anything related to LGBTQIA community is immoral and sex and just all of these dirty things. When in reality, people are just fighting for the right that, you know, a teacher can say, oh, Susie has two moms and that's okay. We should respect Susie. Johnny has two dads and that's okay. We should respect Johnny. And so it's nothing that's like, anything out there that's trying to corrupt a child. It's simply facts of life. There are students who have two moms or two dads. There are students who have non-binary parents. And so we are all trying to just get at being able to teach something that is objectively true about our society in a way that is not trying to put an onus on the student to make a moral decision or cast judgments on other people but rather accept their peers as for who they are. And so when you say you control your child's destiny, like, no, you do not. Your child will be who they are. And if anything, you are controlling all of the things that oppress them in reaching their destiny and becoming the truest version of themselves. Because like Shangela said, if you had that education when you were younger, maybe you would have known who you were a lot earlier rather than getting to being 60. Like, how sad that you spent most of your life not knowing who you truly was mm -hmm. and think about all of the things that you could have done or all of the happiness you could have had if you came to terms with who you are at a younger age. Exactly. I fully agree. And I noticed that people sometimes conveniently forget um, their statuses as allies and advocates the moment that someone from a minority community says something they don't like. Um, <laughs> you'd be amazed at how comfortable people are using slurs and being disrespectful when they talk about someone who is disliked by the masses. White, you know, quote unquote, allies will often let several microaggressions, racism, and bigotry fly when discussing Christian, Christian Walker because they think it's it's okay um, because the community that protects him doesn't like him either. And people will oftentimes let that internalized massage noir fly out of their mouth when they're talking about Candace Owens and transphobia that tumbles out of people's mouths when discussing how much they hate Caitlyn Jenner. I mean, it's astonishing how bold they get. I mean, let me make one thing clear. Um, if you're homophobic when talking about Christian Walker, you're just homophobic. When you are racist, talking about Candace Owens, you're just racist. And when you're transphobic talking about Caitlyn Jenner, 
you're just transphobic. You can dislike someone without having to demean an aspect of their identity. If you cannot argue or disagree with someone's beliefs or stance without relying on ad hominem fallacies or prejudice, then you're not arguing effectively. You're just attacking, and these are two completely different things. Um, I don't have to agree with Christian Walker, Candace Owens, or Caitlyn Jenner to respect their identities. Christian Walker is a gay Black man. Candace Owens is a Black woman, and Caitlyn Jenner is a trans woman. Just because they have some incredibly problematic stances and beliefs does not mean that they are any less worthy of their identities being protected. You can't call yourself an advocate for Black women, trans women, and gay people, and then turn around and use those very same identities as a way to disrespect people you don't like. Bad people exist everywhere, and minority communities are no exception. Hold a person accountable for their problematic beliefs. Correct them if you can, if, and if they won't listen, then Ensure that the people that are listening hear your argument as well, but don't ever use someone's identity as a weapon against them. But Daquan, what about you? I mean, do you think that people use, you know, the worst people of a community as a way to excuse their prejudice and bigotry? Absolutely. And one thing <laughs> that that tells me is that if you are spreading all of this homophobic or transphobic or racist things against people who have a different opinion than you, even if you are supposed to be, quote unquote, my ally, all that tells me is the minute I do something that rubs you the wrong way, the minute I speak out of line, quote unquote, the moment I do anything that you don't like, you're just going to turn on me. I wasn't really your ally. You were just using me to feel better about yourselves, to have this moral high ground that you stand on. And what that says is you're not really down for progress. You're not really down to be an ally and an advocate for a cause. You just want the clout that comes with it. And I'm not going to be anybody's puppet. I'm not going to be anybody's, you know, look at my black friend. No, like that's not <laughs> who I am. That's mm -hmm. who I will never be. And if you think that about me, then just like exit stage left. Just like go. I don't, I don't need to spend any energy on you because that's not who I need in my circle. And that's not who I'm going to keep in my circle. And that's on period. In an article written in US Weekly by Nicole Mazabrook, we learned that Jennifer Lopez kept her initial announcement of her engagement to Ben Affleck brief, but she couldn't keep the whole story to herself for long. In her On the JLo uh, newsletter on Tuesday, April 12th, the Marry Me star revealed that Affleck got down on one knee when she least expected it. She says, quote, Saturday night, while I was at my favorite place on earth in the bubble bath, my beautiful love got down on one knee and proposed. I was taken totally off guard and just looked into his eyes, smiling and crying at the same time. Lopez, who first got engaged to Affleck in 2002 before their 2004 breakup, added that she was trying hard to get her head around the fact that after 20 years, this was happening all over again. I was literally speechless, she said. Um, and when he said, is that a yes? I said, yes, of course that's a yes. The wedding planner star cried with joy after he popped the question. She says, I was smiling so big and tears were coming down my face, feeling so incredibly happy and whole. It was nothing fancy at all, but it was the most romantic 
thing I could have ever imagined. Just a quiet Saturday night at home, two people promising to always be there for each other. Two very lucky people who got a chance, a second chance at true love. So Daquan, that brings up an interesting question. Um, do you believe in second chances when it comes to love of any kind? I think that second chances are real, second chances happen, and second chances are possible. However, that doesn't mean a second chance is old, nor somebody obligated to give somebody a second chance. <laughs> I think that in this situation, you know, we have to look at, you know, what's happening. I don't know everything about J-Lo and Ben Affleck and their personal lives and why they broke up, but based on things that I've seen, I know that part of it was media attention, the tabloids, all of that, all of these different things. And so they were, we have to also realize that they were also both pretty young. I think Ben Affleck was, you know, late 20s, early 30s, and J-Lo was also like early 30s when all of this happened. And so they were young. They were, you know, really rising in their careers for stardom and fame. And so that has a huge impact on people. That creates so much pressure in a relationship. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there was anything else that created that type of schism between them, but that was part of it. And so we are all human beings. Nobody's perfect. We all have our different flaws, but we're also living beings. We grow, we develop, we change over time. So there may have been a situation where they, you know, back then they couldn't see it. They were like, we can't continue doing this. We need to break. But come now, they've grown, they've evolved. They learned how to handle certain things that back then they probably couldn't handle, but now they do. So why not give that second chance for love? Because, you know, things happen for a reason. Maybe you needed that time apart to really understand how much you love somebody. Maybe you had to take that time away to understand how to love another person in that certain way. And so second chances can happen but you should never feel obligated to give somebody a second chance. One thing about me is I'm always protect my energy. And I really think that protecting your own energy is super important to just living your day-to-day -day life. So if somebody did something that hurts you, especially if it's so traumatizing, you don't have to give them a second chance. It doesn't matter how much they beg and plead and be like, I've changed, I've grown, I've blah, blah, blah. And it's like, if somebody hurts you in a certain way that is like your boundary, your line that, and they cross that, you can say, all right, one and done, we're, we're through, not happening again. But something like, oh, it was the wrong time, but maybe now is the right time. Why not give a second chance? Yeah, um, I, I do believe in second chances um, to an extent. Um, I'm a big advocate for working through the rough patches that every relationship goes through. I mean, the honeymoon phase of any relationship, platonic or romantic, doesn't last forever. There will be disagreements, there will be arguments, and sometimes feelings may be hurt. But as long as both parties are willing to work through it, you know, willing to take accountability and willing to make a lasting change, um, usually those relationships just become the better for it. Um, love, no matter what form it comes in is not enough to sustain a relationship. Um, you need quality communication, um, similar or aligned goals, 
and a healthy understanding of what you both need and receive from the relationship. Um, also, some relationships will not work at some points in your life. Sometimes people just are at different journeys and trying to force a relationship with someone who is just in a different place than you are mentally will do way more damage than good. Um, doesn't mean that, you know, it can't work out at another point. It just means at this particular point, it can't. Whenever I found myself in a situation where I was debating whether or not to give someone a second chance, I've always asked myself whether or not that person truly deserves a second chance. I asked myself one single question. Are the factors that made the relationship fail in the first place still present in any capacity? Because if they are, those same problems can re-arise and then we'll just be back to where we started when we ended the relationship in the first time. But Daquan, this makes me wonder. I mean, do you think that cutting people off completely is sometimes the best course of actions in some situations? Absolutely. Bitch, I know the fuck not. I <laughs> you got some for, <laughs> for the podcast listeners, I took out a pair of scissors on the ready because if there's one thing I know and two things for certain, I am not afraid to cut somebody off. I am a Capricorn with a lot of air signs in me. So like I said before, I'm all about protecting my energy. And I think that. If something happens between you and another, and another person and it's consuming you, consuming mm -hmm. all of the energy that you can give to whether it's school or work or your passions, your career, cut them off. Be like, you know what? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even going to give, I'm not even going to pay you dust, pay you no mind. Because yeah. if thinking about you is going to drain all the energy that I have to give to what I want to give to, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to want you in my life. If you are being an energy vampire, I'm not going to want to have you around me. And if you hurt me in a certain way, I am not going to give you a chance to hurt me in that same way. So when it comes to certain situations, sometimes you need that clean cut. You need that clean break. Just be like, you know what? We are going completely different ways. I don't want to hear from you because it could bring up all of these different things and you know, I know a lot of people say you should work that out, like everything like that, but I don't have to work it out with that person. I can yeah. work it out with a therapist. I can work it out with a friend. I can work it out with any other type of mental health specialist or whatever mental health support structures that I have. I don't yeah. have to work it out with that person. And I also think that there's a part of, you know, being like, I release this person from my life that brings you peace. Be like, it's gone we're through it. We're going to, whatever trauma, we're going to work through it. But when it comes to that person, they are no longer a part of my life in any other way. And that can bring me peace. But mm -hmm. just like I said, nobody is obligated for a second chance. I'm not obligated to give somebody else their peace. Their peace Ooh. is their peace. My peace is my peace. Ooh. And I'm going to worry about my peace. I agree. Um, I think that you have to know when some relationships are just beyond repair. Um, while I'm not a big fan of Tyler Perry, 
his play, Medea Goes to Jail, has a monologue in it where Medea is addressing the audience that I still go back and watch to this day because it's some of the most sound advice I've ever heard. Um, to sum it up, he says, there are people in your life who come in for a season and there are others who come into your life for a lifetime. But you have to remember never to confuse those seasonal people with lifetime expectations. And that stuck with me because sometimes we make plans for people in our life, immense plans about what we'll do with them, where we'll go with them, the future that we see with them. And while I'm not a Christian, um, I do believe in the saying that, you know, man makes plans and God laughs um, because so many times we are so ready to find love or so ready to have that lifelong friend that we excuse behavior that we know is wrong because we just want to cling to them so desperately because we just don't want to be alone. And the sad fact is sometimes the very same people that we are clinging so hard to are the people that we were only supposed to have in our lives for a season. I believe that some people are moved into your life by the divine for a reason, maybe to help you through a challenge that you're going to experience or to teach you a lesson that will give you wisdom for the future. But then you have to realize, just like Tyler Perry said in that play, when people want to leave you, let them go. You mm. can not hold on to someone who the divine is trying to move out of your life because the tighter that you hold, the more pain you will endure. And understand that this goes for the other side of it too. Those very same people who you had to remove from your life may try to pull you back in and hold on to you just as tightly. They want to leech onto you and devour you whole and will use every trick in the book to get you to open your heart back up and let them in again. My mom said something today that really got me together. She gathered me. You see, those people who come back into your life, the same ones you cut out for good reason and have shown, you know, no signs of change will oftentimes tell you something like, you know, grow up and let it go. And my mom said, you have to remind yourself that you did grow up. That's why you let them go. That Ooh. person is no longer helping you through a challenge or teaching you a lesson. Now they're just impeding on your personal growth and progress. Oh I mean, bitch. That's a word. That's right. a sermon <laughs> right there. But no, seriously, that, that part where my mom said that like really got me like, you did grow up. You let them go because we're done. We're done. Right. You, We were at a place in our lives when we were together where it did work and things were good. But I'm at a different point in my life now. I've grown out of you. And whatever energy you have brought into my life, I don't want it back anymore because you are bringing the same shit you brought that you did then. And I don't want that back here. It's going to be a no for me, Simon. It's a no. <laughs> right. I found my peace. Yeah. I'm not going to let you disturb that. <laughs> Per. So recently, Chloe Bailey has come on, frequently come under fire for her open sensuality and self-expression. Ever since the Chloe 
Valley Duo launched separate accounts and the 23-year-old began posting videos and photos, she's been met with neg negativity about being quote-unquote too sexy. Last February, Bailey directly addressed the criticism, sharing that she's had to confront body issues in the past and gets her confidence when she dances and performs. The singer cried while talking about the journey she's been on when it comes to self-confidence, acknowledging that she felt insecure for a long time. Quote, when my songwriting and produce, with my songwriting and producing, I feel so badass and I get the same feeling when I dance in my room, when I just own who I am and my body. And for so long, I used to think I was like fat and like, I used to hate my stretch marks and my cellulite, but it's like now I really love who I am. For every woman out there, don't change who you are to make society feel comfortable. And I'm telling myself that's not what I'm going to do, end quote. So that begs the question, do you think that the criticism Chloe faces is valid? Is Chloe, you know, as they say, doing too much? I think that people need to mind their fucking business, honestly. Um, it's mind the business that pays you. Right? Like, it's... It's one thing to not like someone's art, right? But to publicly criticize someone's artistry on their platform is taking haterade to a whole new level. Baby, the block button is free. Um, <laughs> it's it's free as hell. Um, if you don't like something that someone is doing, don't engage with it. Don't interact with it. Don't say anything about it whatsoever. Just like you said, Daquan, take a big ass gulp of mind of your own business and drink it up and move the fuck on. I mean, Chloe is a grown ass woman. And if she or any person wants to show their goodies for the world to see, that's their fucking prerogative. As long as they're happy and feeling their fantasy, who the fuck are we to judge anything that they do? Her artistry may not be your cup of tea, but it doesn't have to be because she's not doing it for you, bitch. But if we're going to be 100% real right now, even if she did like perform fully dressed from head to toe and didn't dance an inch, people would still be talking shit. They'd, they'd be saying that she's doing nothing, she needs to be doing more, that she's lazy and so on and so forth. I mean, as a society, we really need to move past policing women's bodies. Um, when I first watched Chloe's work for this discussion, I did think that she was being a little excessive as well, but that was why we have this thing. I don't know, Daquan, what's the word? Oh yeah, um, it's called self-reflection. And as I reflected on my initial thoughts, I realized that what she does with her body ain't got shit to do with me. Mm. My artistic viewpoint can and has been criticized as too provocative or too much for certain eyes as well. All the leads in every original story that I write are Black and LGBTQIA identifying. I've had many 
publishers and agents reject my work because in their minds, a gay LGBTQIA character was too polarizing and too outlandish to represent um, or, or publish in the fantasy field. And I'm sure for Daquan, the same could be true of their artistic expression as well. I mean, makeup on people um, who mainstream society doesn't believe should be wearing it is also seen as polarizing or controversial. So yeah. any art form can be seen as too much or too far. But just because people might not understand why we express our art the way we do does not mean that we will or should change it to fit the status quo. I mean, I express my art by creating stories for little Black gay teens to have characters and fantasies they can see themselves in. Chloe Bailey knows she's a bad bitch, and she wants to showcase her badassery to the world. She has every motherfucking right to express her art the way she wants to, and it may change and evolve as all art and artists do. Hopefully, though, whatever way she chooses to change it, it's because she decides to change it, and not because of the pressure of the patriarchy that tries to stifle female sexuality and expression, or because of the pressure for Black women to show more skin in order to be celebrated by mainstream media. But Daquan, I want to pass the question back to you. Uh, do you think she's doing too much? I think that people will find a way to hate Black women. <laughs> people will find any, any reason whatsoever to hate any reason, black any reason. She breathing too hard. She breathing too hard. She breathing too hard. She looking at me too hard. She moved her hair too hard. Like that hair flip, no, too much. That lip gloss, no, too much. Any reason to tear yeah. down a black woman, people will find it. Because, yeah. like, I know for me, I've been a Chloe Stan. Like, yeah. Listen, when Have Mercy came out, I had that on replay. When her <laughs> latest song dropped, I've been having it on replay. Because, like, I just, she has a certain artistry. And I think that her passion for what she does communicates to me very well. It yeah. may not co communicate to everyone. It may not yeah. be everybody's zhuzh or cup of tea or whatever, yeah. but it's mine. And I enjoy that. And there are people who enjoy what she's doing. So yeah. if it's not your cup of tea, like you said, the block button is free 99. <laughs> you ain't got to pay for no subscription service. You ain't got to pay for ads or nothing. Click block. And that's it. And you don't even have to say, like, that's That kills me. That kills <laughs> Because my biggest pet peeve of being an artist is when somebody, especially those who have never partaken in the practice of my art at all <laughs> give some unnecessary criticism like who are you exactly like, this is chloe bailey yeah she is in beyonce's personal pocket like beyonce was like be beyonce i think we gotta <laughs> reestablish that beyonce was like chloe bailey is a star so yeah. who is you you know bad baby whatsoever 22 33 <laughs> on twitter being like I think Chloe's doing too much. Like, who are, who are you? Are you booked? Do ooh, I know you? Ooh, do you ooh. have a Grammy? Uh, do you have a Nia Tony? Do, do you have a single? Did it go platinum? Anything? Or any anything? Even a SoundCloud? Do you even have a SoundCloud? Mm -hmm. No. Oh, you just a oh, you're just you a don't basic need bitch. to talk. Oh, <laughs> you just a basic bitch. So you don't need to <laughs> spread anything because it's like 
if you don't like something, it takes more energy out from you to say something about it than it does to simply scroll away, move on with your life. And it's like, why do you have the time? Why do you have the time to have, you know, unnecessary criticism or whatever? And like, I was a creative writing major in college. So I took a lot of different writing workshops and something that I really appreciated was from one of my workshops where it had the structure of basically like when we were going through critiques, because that's a part of workshop, yeah. you, you know, say, hey, I have a suggestion for X, Y, and Z. Do you want to hear it? And the the author has the power to be like, no, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Or yes, I do want to hear it. And I think that's, that is something that we should just employ in our lives. Like if somebody doesn't want to hear your critique, they're not going to take your critique. It doesn't matter what your critique is. So why give all of this unnecessarily unnecessary bullshit when in reality, they ain't got to take it. They don't have to listen to a damn thing you say because you are not paying their bills. You are not giving them the opportunities that they need. The people who do are seeing their work. The people are, who do are already appreciating what they put out there. Mm -hmm. So once again, I ask you the question, who are you? Exactly. I think that what really gets me, because even when I had my initial thoughts about watching her video or whatever, um, nothing in me was like, let me text and say, let me post on Instagram or Twitter and just have her in my head rent free. It's like, it's if it's something that you don't vibe with or engage with, then just not don't take it in. And I just, I don't right. understand. I just don't, I, I mean, well, some people just like hating. So we know that. Some people mm -hmm. just like being a hater. Some Haters people just like doing hate. that. Exactly. But it's just, I've never understood the, oh, let me go ahead and just send so much hate and vitriol to this person because they aren't performing or being the per the way that I want them to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just, it makes no sense. It's really, fuck, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I, I have a TikTok account and like, I'll be scrolling through and I'll see some stuff where people are like doing dumb shit or saying dumb shit. And I'm kind of like, ooh, no, baby, block. I block. I don't need to comment. Right. You are fucking dumb for saying X, Y, and Z or you're fucking this, that, and the fourth. I don't have to do That's that. That's engagement. The fuck? I don't want any You're running my numbers up. Exactly. And plus, I don't want any more of that video to come in my in my page. Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to customize my for you page, bitch. I don't need you in my, no, uh-uh. So, like, it just... It really baffles me the thought process that some people will go through and just be like, ooh, I'm going to, I got this first, what is it called? Uh, when it, when your intrusive thoughts become action. It's like, girl, mm -hmm. like you might think in your head, ooh, yeah, that, oh, that's crazy what they did there. But I've never been like, ooh, that's crazy. Let me text this person. Let me make a video about how much I can't stand this person. That to me is just, once again, they're living in your head rent free. If someone doesn't matter to you, Period. There's nothing else to say. If something doesn't matter to you, it's done. It's done. You don't matter. Anytime I see anybody spreading that kind of hate and that kind of stuff, I'm like, baby, you do know that engagement is engagement, right? Period. Like, Run my numbers up. You do know that's the reason why people like Christian Walker are still like very successful because even if you hate him, every time you comment and say, oh yeah, Christian Walker this or tweet this about Christian Walker that, Bitch, you know that's running his check up. So, like, some people use hate as a way to get them coins. So it's like, I just, I do, I don't understand the thought process because I'm just like, at the end of the day, if you don't like something that someone is doing, just ignore it, move on, let it go, because it has nothing, literally 
it takes what is it? It takes zero effort to mind your own fucking business. And also, Daquan, I really, I swear, if I hear one more motherfucking argument that goes, what about the kids? I think I'm going to fucking scream, bitch. Like, <laughs> Chloe Bailey is not your fucking nanny. She's not your fucking school teacher. She's not your fucking babysitter. She's a singer who makes music for adults, period, full stop. Like... <laughs> Right. What was it I said in the previous episode? Uh, parental controls exist for a reason. For a reason! <laughs> if you're too incompetent to use it, that's your problem. And I like, also think that, you know, people don't keep this energy for, you know, male backup um, dancers for backup dancers for male rappers. They're cool. not doing too much when they're, you know, dancing sexually mm -hmm. or whatever like that. And I think that gets to the point of Chloe is a woman who is owning herself and her own body. She is independent. You know, when it comes to a backup dancer for a male rapper or whatever, people see that and it's like, oh, they're for him. Like, he has control over what they do. And so yeah. that's all right. And it's like, first of all, if you're going to have energy that somebody's doing too much, you need to keep that energy around. Yeah. Because other otherwise, you're just showing that you're being a misogynistic asshole. Period. Like... I just think at the end of the day, just raise your fucking kids, bitch, and stop blaming artists for your poor parenting skills. <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking period. Now, the table is always hot with current events and social issues, but sometimes the heat can get a little intense. Just a so little let's bit. turn the... Just a dab. Just a scotch. <laughs> <laughs> so let's turn the temp down, take a breather, and get into this week's topic cool down. Andre, I wanted to <laughs> ask you, what are your opinions about working in customer service? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Got any crazy stories? Honestly, customer service, you have to have a passion for it. That's all I'll say. Ooh. I mean, you have to have a real passion for serving people to be in customer service because the amount of bullshit that you will deal with sometimes on the daily fucking basis is astronomical. Like it is insane how many people, how many dumb ass people you will run into. <laughs> like for me, I think one of the craziest stories I think was one time I was at my um, job and I had did a refund for a customer and I gave him the money and I accidentally forgot, like, I think it was 10 cents or something. And the guy was like, hey, you forgot the 10, you forgot the 10 cents. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. Let me go ahead and go back into the system and get that for you. Open up the register, pull in the man. He's like, hey, don't get mad. I was like, sir, I'm not, I'm not mad, sir. I'm, I'm getting the, the dime out of, you know, the get you your change. And he was like, fuck you. And I was like, oh. Sir, suck my ass, suck my ball. I, I like, and I promise y'all, I am not joking. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not putting on for the podcast. This shit actually happened. This guy was telling me every time I'd be like, have a nice day, sir. He would just tell me to suck another part of his body. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like he was furious for no reason at all. And of course we realize in customer service that some people are just looking for someone to fight with. So Sometimes, honestly, the best thing that you can really do when someone's popping off or going off is just be like, have a nice day. 
have a nice day, have a nice day, because all, they want you to engage. They want to spread that negative negative energy to you because something in that happened at home or some there, you know, somewhere happened where they just like, I'm mad, so I want to pass that negativity elsewhere. Let that shit die right there, baby. You ain't got no power over me, bitch. Have a good day. <laughs> Not even have a good day. Have the day you deserve. Exactly. <laughs> but what about you, Daquan? Child, <laughs> when I say I am so glad I am no longer working in customer service, <laughs> like me and customer service have a complicated relationship. Like I have had customer service jobs like ever since end of high school all throughout college. So like yeah. I have like at least four to five years of customer service experience and in those four to five years so much has happened like the amount of times where i literally be like hey like i understand but i can't do this because x y and z and it's like no fuck that's not how it works like blah 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 blah." like cussing me out and it's like i'm supposed to just like sit here and take it just be like yes yes continue to cuss me out i love when you cuss me out (laughs) thank you so much for cussing me out and it's like no, like I have learned how to have my customer service presence. And I know that, you know, when it time gets when it gets time to clock out, all of that is getting cut off. And oh yeah. I can go immediately. Off immediately. Um <laughs> as soon but, as that button, the last button you hit enter. Oh bye, bye, bitch. How you going? How you- bye. bye. <laughs> I don't like you. But yeah, <laughs> customer service jobs. I, I have had some that I've really enjoyed. Like yeah. my, when I worked at the like ticket agency for my colleges, like theater productions or whatever, like it was pretty chill. I liked who my coworkers is, but that's like what was the best part. You know, I never really liked a customer service job for the customer service aspect. It was always having great having a great environment, having cool yeah. managers, working with cool people. Like people, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the people make the job for you because if you ain't got good coworkers, I promise you, you're going oh. to be miserable every single day, every single hour, every single minute you are on the clock. Oh, it's, uh, it's fully the people you work with that really make the job, in cus- especially in customer service. Because in, in jobs where you mm-hmm. work from home or something like that, it's a little bit different. But when you have like a group of people that you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, it is imperative to have a boss who's like, you know, not like a micromanager or someone who's going to let you make sure you get your stuff done and whatever, and who's going to make sure you take care of you and have coworkers that you can kind of kiki with and kind of have that good rapport with because you're going to run into bullshit. You're going to. So mm-hmm. you need to have, you need to make sure that you don't run into bullshit on every front because if it's shit everywhere, like, you know what I'm saying? If it's shit everywhere on all the fronts, girl, it's just a bad, it's a dirty, it's a, it's a smelly day, okay? Like, it's, it's a smelly day. You, you just need to get off and wash that off. And exactly. Like, I, customer service is something that you can never be prepared for. Like, I've had all yeah. of those <laughs> random experiences whatsoever. Like, one time I was in high school, like, Right after high school, I was working at this one department store and I was working in like the lawn and garden section of it. And somebody come to me and was like, hey, there's a customer that can only speak Spanish. Can can you like translate? And I was like, I took like a year of high school <laughs> Spanish. I know hola como esta. Yeah. Like that's all I know. And like I was able to resolve it. I was like, oh, look at me like knowing enough Spanish Ooh. to get the job done. <laughs> They're but, bilingual. Like, that's, Bilingual girl. (laughs) But like, that's like 
at least a positive like random thing because it's like oh like I got it done like it was crazy it was like oh I really don't want to like not be able to help this customer but yeah you know I got that done but then on the flip side you have like I remember this one time at the same department store there was somebody trying to steal mm-hmm. and like she like rolled an entire cart with like TVs and all of like yeah. really expensive shit and as she and she got caught by one of the managers and as they were like bringing um her back she was like oh this person checked me out this person checked me out and me and my coworkers was like who is she talking to because <laughs> at first she was like oh this girl checked me out and it was like first of all in our long garden department there was no girls who were working on that shift. Mm. So it's like, we already know you're lying. But, you know, in honestly, I was like, let's just get this over with because, like, I'm not the corporate entity. I, I don't care about any of the products in this store. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to, like, promote stealing or anything like that. Yeah. Like, no. But I also think that I had such a lax mindset about it because, like, it comes with real world implications. And that came later because, you know, this was after I already left and I went back to college and just like was trying to get as far away from everything in that department store world as possible. But another instance of stealing happened. And this time there was this old man who was working at the store, went after the people who were stealing, got pushed mm-hmm. and his head hit concrete cracked open and he ended up passing away Mm -hmm. and our store was closing it was being liquidated so like this happened you know maybe one or two weeks before the store was supposed to close like for good and i'm like that is why like when it comes to customer service jobs you have to remember that you are not the company okay like i'm never going to risk my life for some corporate entity like because at the end of the day they're if you die they're just going to find something to somebody to replace you like that's no skin off of their back so i'm not going to risk literally dying two weeks before a store closes for good over some tvs or whatever it's fully not worth it some jobs actually will fire you if you did if you try to stop someone and I'm just like, first of all, baby, it ain't worth it. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. Thank Have you for day. shopping with us. And when the manager asked, will you just let them go? I said, I'm not. I said, I asked them if they needed help. And they said they was dipping. So fuck you want me to do. I'm not about to chase exactly. the fuck. Mm-hmm. But I also think that there's another thing that people don't understand too. One of the biggest pieces of advice that I want to give to people who are about to, you know, embark on a customer service job or have to get one. Um, understand your job position and understand what you have to take because a lot of times you'll see people going back and forth with a customer or hearing this shit from a customer and baby i promise you i did that one time when i was 16 at my first job and the customer was just going back and forth me i was kind of like bitch what the fuck like i didn't say that but i was just like what do you mean like i didn't do that da, 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 whatever whatever just going back and forth and my man took me into the office and she was like, why were you arguing with that customer? And I was like, because she was fucking wrong. She's like, yeah, I know that she was wrong. But why were you arguing? She was like, that's not your job to argue with them. That's my job to deal with that. And so 
when she said that shit, no bullshit, Daquan, that shit clicks immediately. I'm like, as soon as I hear a, a customer at any of my, at either one of my jobs go, oh, I, you know what? Ooh, 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 oh, wait, wait, ooh. hold on. Wait, let me you ain't even got a call for the manager. I'll let be me like, call. you want me to get the manager? I actually, before they, let me go manager ahead. to aisle twin, <laughs> manager to aisle 10. <laughs> I will call. I my fingers be ready. I'm like, oh, oh, oh baby, oh, pause, 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 baby. We are gonna stop right there. Let me go to call a manager for you because I don't get paid enough to deal with this shit. I don't get paid enough to argue with you. I don't get enough. I don't get paid for you to cuss me out. They get the big bucks, so I'm gonna call the salary manager and I'm gonna sit my um hourly ass down somewhere. Okay. <laughs> right. It's about me. I mean, period. But Daquan, do you have any advice to people who are trying to join in customer service for the first time? Listen. Find some way to protect your peace. Whether that's, you know, you got to be like, all right, when I get off work, I am going to call so-and-so and just vent, especially if you know, like, if you're like friends or you have mm -hmm. somebody who works at that same place that you can vent to, who knows what you're going through. What happened? Yeah. Or, even, or even like somebody in your department where like, if something's happening, you could just give them that look and like have an entire conversation. They know. And they, you know, even in a situation like that where somebody's like yelling at you, you can give somebody that look and they go get the manager for you. So you ain't got to do nothing. And so find some way to protect your peace. Know that when it is time to clock out, you clock out. Mm. I, I'm somebody every now and then I'll, you know, help out the team and take another shift. But if I'm not working, I'm not working. Ah! When it's time for me to clock out, I am going, going to clock home. out because like, Y'all pay me, like, first of all, when I was working at this department store, like, I was working back in South Carolina, so I was making minimum wage, $7.25 an hour. Y'all are not paying me enough to do anything that's outside of my <laughs> job responsibilities. Last time I checked, when I, you know, put my application in, the duties that was outlined was not <laughs> staying over time and yeah. taking shifts from other people and all of that, like, no. I got paid to do what I did. <laughs> and so sometimes you just need yes, to have I did this. That. And you went too for, yeah, too for a check. <laughs> sometimes you just need to have this really detached mentality of like, I am yeah. doing this for a check. That's all that matters. At the end of the week or at the end of two weeks, I will get my check. I don't have to worry about how a customer feels or, oh my gosh, this customer said that they're never going to come here again. Like, Okay, and like at the end of the day, they're not going to remember who you are. They're not going to remember your name. Like, and if they do, that's kind of weird. And you should just like talk to somebody to get them banned from the store. Um, I, I think also too, just I think a lot of people really need to understand the whole separation thing, uh, separating mm -hmm. home from work. I think that you have to know that when you leave, you're done. You're done. You don't have I'm not to thinking about home. anything that happened on that shift. Exactly, because whoever you got into an argument with, whatever patron popped off or whatever the fuck case may be, baby, it's done. You're probably never going to see them again. And if you do, you can be like, hey, girl, can you handle that person? Because we, uh-uh, no. So, like, I think a lot of times people don't understand how to have that degree of separation there, too. And I think also when it comes to customer service and it comes to being in that field, like I said, that whole, you know, when people say, oh, we're a family here and all that kind of bullshit, that's a trick. Ooh. That's a red flag. Immediately. It's like, Immediately. no. Run. <laughs> Run. <laughs> 
And so I think you really have to understand because they'll sometimes try to make you kind of guilt trip you into coming in for extra hours, come in for extra time. And it's like, no, baby, mm -mm, I clock out. I'm going home. I remember just right. a couple, I think think about what was it last week or week before last. Uh, my boss at my other job was like, hey, do you want to stay another hour? No, baby, I leave. I leave at this time. I'm going okay. home. I mean, I'm going home. Like this job is not my personality. This job <laughs> is not part of my identity. So like, I'm not going to do whatever. Because like the reality is people do make assumptions about you based off of you working a customer service job. Like I have had experiences where people have made assumptions about me that like I was working at a college bookstore and I think people made the assumption that like I wasn't good enough to go to that college. And it was at the University of South Carolina. And I was like, first of all, I go to Emory <laughs> University. Yeah. Like I go to a top 20 university. Her. South Carolina isn't even ranked in ah! the top whatever. <laughs> so like you making this assumption about me, like this is a job. This isn't a reflection of who I am. It's not a reflection of my potential as a human being or anything like that. And so that's why that separation is so important. Like this isn't your family. This isn't a part of your identity or your personality. It's a job that you do to survive and get a check. And that's it. And I also think too, just, I mean, this might be a whole other actual podcast episode, but I think that people have this kind of um, superiority when it comes to jobs. And I think that a lot of people need to understand that um, somebody has to work in customer service. Somebody has to be the department store clerk. Somebody has to be the uh, the um, fast food cook or the fast food cashier. Somebody has to do those jobs. Um, and I think that there's nothing wrong with having a passion for that. Some people genuinely love being in fast food and they may be working their way up the ladder and the chain or whatever. So I think that this kind of elitism that we see in the in uh, the job markets and job industry needs to be shut down. Stop looking your stop looking your nose down on people who work in certain fields because you never know why they're working at it. You never know how much money they're making because just because you might see somebody working as a field cook or whatever, I mean, what is it called? The 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 cook at the um back or something like that. You don't know what they're looking cook. like, baby. Line cook. Thank you. But um, you don't know what the fuck check they're making. You don't know how much coins they're making. You don't know what they check running night because they might just be doing that or uh, helping out that particular branch that one day because they came down from the CEO quarters or whatever the case may be. So you just never know. And I think that even if somebody is working as a cashier or somebody is working as a whatever, I think that at the end of the day, this whole looking your nose down on people is just honestly trash. It's elitism and it's classism and it's garbage. And I think that people need to recognize that somebody has to do the job and your job is not more or less important than somebody else's. And that's on per. <laughs> so, so many children grow up never knowing the full scope of what their culture has contributed to society and history. So it's time for a change. Let's take a pause, rewind, and remind the world just how we did that. In the article, The Famous People, we learned that Jada Pinkett Smith is an American actress, singer-songwriter, and dancer. The multi-talented personality is a businesswoman as well. Smith effectively began her acting career in the American comedy series, A Different World, where she appeared in a supporting role playing a character named Lena James. 
Throughout her career, she has appeared in several popular films such as Menace to Society, The Matrix Revolution, and Magic Mike XXL. She has recently been seen in movies such as Bad Moms, which was directed by John Lucas and Scott Moore. She was one of the co-creators of All of Us, an American comedy series which aired on the UPN network. As a singer, she formed the metal band Wicked Wisdom. Pinkett Smith became the lead vocalist of the band, and four years after its formation, the band released a self-titled album. As a businesswoman, she created her own fashion label, Maja, which features women's t-shirts and dresses. Smith is also a shareholder of the Philadelphia 76ers, a professional basketball team that plays for the NBA. She is also the executive producer and star of The Red Table Talk, a daytime talk show which has won both an Emmy and a NAACP Image Award. Along with her husband, she created the Will and Jada Smith Family Foundation to support needy people. She is also associated with organizations such as the Lupus Foundation of America and People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Daquan, you know what I'm about to say. <laughs> Do we even need to say it? No, we need to say it because we forever will say it. Black women. Black women. <laughs> they always need their fan. They always need their flowers. At if every there's time. one thing I know. We're going to give black women their flowers that they deserve, that they more than deserve. Purr, purr, purr. So my We Did That comes from blackpast.org. Walter Rodney was one of the most important Guyanese intellectual and political figures of the 20th century. He was drawn to Marxist, Pan-African, Rastafarianism, and black power movements and Rodney believed that all people of the African diaspora, wherever they may be across the globe, had a special connection and formed a special cultural identity. His first work, The Groundings with My Brothers, published in 1969, expressed sympathy with the working class people in Jamaica. He also, he also published The History of the Upper Guinea Coast in 1970 as the expansion of his PhD research. Rodney is significant in establishing a new focus on African history and underscoring the need for Black scholars to do history, to take back their past in order to make their own future. His work, How Europe Underdeveloped Africa, published in 1972, remains a powerful and important work in which Rodney argued that the early period of African contact with Europe, including the slave trade, sowed the seeds for the continued African economic underdevelopment and had dramatically negative social and political consequences as well. Black people. <laughs> Gotta love it. Gotta love that Black excellence. Um, as always, thank you all so much for watching and keep the conversation going down in the comment box below. Don't forget to give this video a thumbs up. And if you are listening to us on our podcast, please rate and review on whatever platform you're using. You can also follow our podcast on Instagram and TikTok at The Melanin Margin for updates of new content. 
And if you'd like to follow each of us, our handles are at Daquan M-U-E. And at Andre Talks A Lot, baby. <laughs> now we will see you all next week on the Melanin Margin, where our goal is always to bring the marginalized to the spotlight in any way we can. Goodbye now.